Welcome to Ghostly. Ghostly is a podcast that comes out every other week. In each episode, we take a ghost story or paranormal event and look into its complete history. Rebecca then gives us evidence proving that the story is real, and my job is to debate those pieces of evidence and get you, the listener, prepared to vote on if it's real or not. If you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. And as always, we're your host. I'm Pat. And I'm Rebecca. I'm never Rebecca. No. No. No, you can't be. Sorry. Uh, There's only one. There's only one. me. What's been going on with you, Rebecca? <laughs> uh, you know, trying to enjoy the last uh, of summer here. I made like a weird pear dessert that turned out really good. Oh, um, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm not the biggest pear fan. I'm not either, but yeah. th- there were some extra pears. that. My- <laughs> why, don't, why don't you try to pronounce it, Rebecca? Clifautis? Clifautis? It's probably Clifotis. French, right? It's, yeah, or yeah, probably French. Clofotis. Clofotis. I don't, I honestly, right. I'd have to look it up, but. Uh, Sounds yummy. It was, it was, it turned out pretty good. Yeah. Maybe I'll, you should go on the English baking show. Oh, if only I was good enough for that. <laughs> oh, man. And, and British. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how about you? Anything going on? You know, um, we've been doing a lot of ghostly stuff. So I, I have just been. Full force, 100% into Ghostly lately. So we um, are going to be doing Elgin Fringe Fest on September 11th. And because of that, we're going to be talking about Bluff City Cemetery there, which is in Elgin, Mm -hmm. right? So um, we got invited by friends at Hands-On Paranormal to go to a paranormal investigation and a seance over at Bluff City Cemetery. And Mahela, our good friend Mahela, was doing the seance. And so we did that one evening. But the thing is, one thing you can say about any cemetery at night is you can't really see much. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Also, that it's pretty spooky. Yeah, it's, you know, always going to have that inherent kind of spookiness, especially we were there at like midnight. So. Yeah, it was late. Yeah, and... um. So, yeah, so we we did do that, and then we needed to go back <laughs> to Bluff City Cemetery to see it during the day because we didn't really see much. I mean, we heard about stories and stuff, and I can't wait to do this at Elgin Fringe Fest. Yeah, no, there's definitely things we're gonna chat we're gonna chat about. It's gonna yeah. be super fun if you are in Illinois or. Or if you want to come to Illinois. Midwest area or wherever, exactly, and you want to come. Because Elgin Fringe is super fun. Yes. If you haven't ever been to a Fringe Fest, just weird, crazy shows, artists, cool, different things, pretty inexpensive. Yeah, it's very inexpensive. In fact, um, Ghostly is not charging anything for our show. Uh, We always wanted it that way. You know, Uh, last time we sold out. We did. So I that mean, was one of the options. Yeah. We could charge people to get in to see our show, and that would limit how many people are going to be there. But we didn't want that, so we went with we're gonna we're gonna still do it, you know, for free. And um, here's the thing: 
they are limiting how many people are going to be in there. Yeah, I want everyone to know, yeah, if you're coming, it is going to be as safe as can be, masks, yes. uh, you know, and, and the capacity will be limited. Um, so get there we, early. We might even have to wear masks we, I think while so. doing the show. Yeah, um, but it'll still be super, super fun, something fun to do. And you yeah. walk around outside, going to the different venues. Um, yeah. But but it does cost $3 to see any show there. That $3 goes to uh, Fringe so that they can put on these kind of shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, they try to pay all their employees and everything like that, anybody that helps out in the show. And I'll be running sound for three different podcasts that day. Yeah, it's it's going to be... Including Ghostly. Including so. Ghostly. It'll be super fun. But uh, then also, we have another really big event coming up, and that's the Roth House. And that's what this episode's about, right? Yeah, this is going to get us ready. Um, So we we did a Facebook Live with... Neil and um, John, the owner of the Roth House, the current owner, and it was so cool that we decided we were going to make that an episode. Uh, so that's what we're going to be doing here. We do have some shout outs though, right? We do. And can I just make one quick announcement yeah. before we do the shout outs? Uh, is that I am, uh, or we are, relaunching the book club, the ghostly book club. I'm so it's super, book club 2.0. 2.0. Yeah. Super, super excited. We're going to have it in, in uh, October. Check your emails. You may already have an email or we'll be getting one soon if you've signed up. Uh, if you need No more lame books, right? No more. <laughs> I don't think any book we've picked <laughs> has been lame. You, well, do you think any book is lame? That's also true. Um, no, I do. But uh, but no, we're going to have super fun, super fun book. Uh, just spooky, scary, you know. Again. We're going to have the super fun book? We're going to have a super fun, scary book. I'm I'm super, okay. I'm very excited about it. It's going to be good. It's going to be in October. So take a look for your email. If you aren't in the book club and you would like to be in the book club, if you go to ghostlypodcast.com slash book club or just go to ghostlypodcast.com and click on book club, you can sign up. Wow. Just like that. Just like that. How much Super How easy. much does it cost, though? I mean, people need to know this. Zero dollars. What? I know. And you get to hang out on Zoom how with us. How are we doing this for books. free? I know. I don't know. It's oh. just, it's super fun. And I really, I really hope everyone can come out, especially in October when it's spooky season. Yeah. The spookiest of spookiest seasons. Spookiest of seasons. All right. So we do have some shout outs. Uh, there are two ways to get a shout out on Ghostly. The first way is to give us a review on Apple Podcast. We always prefer the five-star reviews, I mean, of course, but we'll still read any and all reviews that we receive. The second way is to either buy us a coffee on buymeacoffee.com slash ghostlypodcast, or you can just go to the website and hit the buy us a coffee button in the menu. You could even become a member on Buy Me A Coffee, and in December we will be revamping uh, rewards for these kind of things. All uh, right. All right. So I'm going to read our first review today. Oh, okay. Uh, love the podcast. Five stars from Joker CSLL.991. Wonder what that means, dot nine nine one. I don't know. Uh, I love this podcast. I enjoy the content and the chemistry. It is a wonderful show, and I look forward to every show. Oh, that's Thank so you. nice. So nice. So we have three. So I'm going to read the next one. And it is from Lindrig. Mm-hmm. And it is a five-star review as well. My favorite paranormal podcast. Uh, love the Pat Facts. So do I, of course. Uh, love Rebecca's creepy tales. Love the debate. Uh, me and my kids love to rate and vote on each episode. We also like that we don't have to worry about 
bad language so we can enjoy it together. Thank you, Pat and Rebecca, and all your random friends who visit the show looking at you, Mondo. Y'all really live up to our family's motto. We're weird, but we own it. I love it. I want to meet these. I do too. Family, seriously. If you're ever in the area, or if you live in the area, let us know. We'd love to. Oh my gosh. Or if you're in Hawaii and you want to send us to Hawaii to meet you, we would yeah. gladly do that as well. <laughs> no, but we love when families listen, and, and yes. it's a great bonding experience. Thank you. All right, I've got one more here. So awesome show! Exclamation point. Five star review from Podcast Lover. Ooh, Podcast Lover. Ooh, with a lot of exclamation marks. I can't even. I, I can't even count them all. Uh, great listen. Love the chemistry. This is a must listen for paranormal fans. Views seem very unbiased, which is rare in the paranormal world. A lot of fun. Oh, I don't know if we're unbiased. I mean, I, I think we're both biased towards our own side. <laughs> but together. But together we are unbiased, I guess. Then. So, um, yeah, thank you guys so much for sending in those reviews. We really appreciate it. It, it helps others to find us on Apple Podcast, which is um, like the biggest podcast, or it was at least. I'm not sure if it still is, but one of the biggest places where people discover podcasts. Absolutely. So do we have a listener mail? We do have a listener mail. All right. Oh, you got to get your glasses on for this I one. I, I got to get the readers going. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't you wear contacts? I, I do, but I'm old. So you put glasses on top of your contacts? Oh, yeah. that's interesting. You're not there yet, but someday. Mm -hmm. I'm older than you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My last ghost story. Oh, sorry. Yeah, this is, this is, sorry, this is anonymous. Um, And I read a a story from, from anonymous last time. So this is um, the the last ghost story that um, this person sent uh, us. So this is, uh, she, uh, they shared like uh, some other, other stories with other people. So uh, they say, My last ghost story is my own. This story took place in my old house in Kansas City, Missouri. This was a semi-old house. The floors always creaked. We always heard noises such as footsteps and door closing and noises from above us. Anyways, my cousin Makara and I were downstairs playing video games. We were both home alone. Makara told me she had to go to the bathroom. So she went to the bathroom that was right next to us. About a minute after she went in the bathroom, I heard knocking on the bathroom door. (laughs) Like, that would be really weird. I was about to get off the couch to help her since the door was a little tricky when I heard her say, anonymous, stop knocking on the door. I am trying to use the bathroom. I thought she was still messing with me, but I realized the sound of her talking was right behind the wall that the couch was on and where the toilet was and not by the door. While she was talking, the knocking continued. I shot right up and ran up the stairs. I told her that I swore it was not me. When I ran up the stairs, the knocking stopped, as if whatever was knocking was trying to frame me for knocking on her door. When she got out of the bathroom, I was sitting on the upstairs couch. Mahara said, anonymous, I know it was you. When you ran up the stairs, the knocking stopped. Stop messing around. I told her it was not me. I was sitting on the couch the whole time until I heard the knocking and ran upstairs. I told her I thought she was messing with me. Makara burst 
out in tears because she was really scared of ghosts and she thought the ghost was trying to get into the bathroom with her. A little while later, she left my house. I heard the knocking again. It only happened when my parents were out of the house. Wow. Okay, so... Creepy ghosty knocking. Yeah, that is very interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you, Anonymous, for sending that in to us. I I mean, I really appreciate it. And if you want to be anonymous in yours, you can do that as well. How can they send us uh, ghost stories, Rebecca? Oh, yeah. Super easy. You can email them to info at ghostlypodcast.com. Or if you go to ghostlypodcast.com, the website, there is a contact us form where you can fill out your information, share your story. Nice. We love it. Yeah. Isn't there another way too? Um, like can, our favorite our way? Our favorite way is, of course, to mail it to us. We love snail mail, real mail, real things, physical things. Physical things, yeah. Right? It's too much. Not like make-believe ghosts or We anything. love all the postcards and things people send us, but you can also send us ghost stories that way. P.O. Box number 264, Geneva, Illinois, 60134. And you can find that on the website, too. Awesome. Yeah, and the footer down there. So if you don't, if you're driving, please don't stop and write down that address. <laughs> yeah. You can just scroll to the footer on ghostlypodcast.com and you will see that information. Yep. Most of the stuff can be found on ghostlypodcast.com. If in doubt, just go there. Just like you can vote in our polls mm-hmm. on ghostlypodcast.com. And you know what? I won last time. So I want to read out the poll results of this time because I'm pretty confident. All right, let's I do mean, it. I'm ready. Fireflies and monkeys. Obviously, that's the reason why, right? <laughs> Obviously. So in the last episode, we talked about Toyoma Park. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca asked us, is Toyoma Park haunted? So... <laughs> Let's look. <laughs> what I'm, did the I listener just, I'm pulling say? Pull up our website right uh-huh. now. Oh, geez. Um, okay, so th- there there were a couple of yeses here. Uh huh. Um, but there's no. But there's no's. I mean, we we we've got the no's. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, anyways, let's. No, move on. I need some percentages, please, and a score. <sighs> okay. Um. One of them got 69.2%, uh-huh. and the other one got 30.8%. Uh, I'm guessing that the yeses got the 69. <laughs> Why are you guessing that? Because otherwise you would just tell me, and you'd be gloating about it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I cannot tell a lie. Um, so Tayama Park is, in fact, haunted, according yeah. to the audience. And 69.2% what- of the people said that it was haunted. Yep, that's pretty big. What was the score? Uh, so the overall score, so what's interesting is that we ask you, how haunted do you believe that it is? Because uh, oftentimes people might say it's haunted, but it's not that haunted. Right. So we want to know, and we want to give you a chance to rate it just like we do, except mm-hmm. you can't do a zero like we can, like I do, um, you know, because not everybody could be as cool as me, right? And give it a zero. <laughs> and software doesn't always work that way. But yeah, yes, software doesn't on. work that way. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, the overall rating for this one was 5.5. Ooh, so only a little haunted. Like it's haunted, but just barely. I will say that uh, the nose pretty much um, did three or under. Okay. And the yeses were like 
crazy high. Oh, okay. So uh, it really depends on who you're who you're looking at, but <laughs> I would say it's you know pretty pretty haunted. Though they say they say. All right, thanks All guys. Right. We appreciate the voting. Yeah. So we have a really interesting episode for you today. As I already told you, this is going to be a replay of our Facebook Live event with Neil from Graveside Paranormal and John, the owner of the Roth House. Now. Um, this is just, this is just a crazy episode. It's just, it's just going to be crazy. So when Neil approached me, he started telling me the story of it. And what I do, and I, I think a lot of people do, is we organize what people say. So Neil started telling me the story of a girl that got possessed. And I was like, oh, okay, possession, exorcist, you know, stuff like Demons. that. Demons. Yeah, yeah. Like, Normal. okay, yeah, yeah. That's the kind of episode <laughs> we're going to be doing for this one. All right, that that makes sense. And then later on, I found out more. And then he said, well, it was actually, um, so that person got possessed, died, and then possessed somebody else. Yeah, then that person possessed somebody so else. So I was like, okay, well, that is like, you know, the devil made me do it kind of episode. So that's the category I put it in in my head. Mm-hmm. It's not at all that. So my question to you, Rebecca, are all possessions evil? Well, you know, I again, I would have thought that yeah. until researching and recording this episode, and I am now, I, I'm not going to make a final call on this yet because we've got more coming up, but I am leaning towards the, they may not be, let's just say they may not be evil. Yeah. I don't know that they're good. Well, I mean, or that's <laughs> something that anyone wants to be possessed, um, but they may not be super negative. Malicious. Malicious. There you go. Yeah. That's the word. Yeah. So, I mean, this episode, I, you know, I, Neil kept telling me that John likes to view these things as more like positive, like healing. Yeah. Like spiritual healing. And I was like thinking to myself this whole time, I was like, how is a possession in any way like a healing? Mm-hmm. Well, then we talked to John and we found out and Man, this story is so good. I've never heard it. I've never heard a story like this. Have you? No, never. I, this is just incredible. And I can't wait to go there. Um, we will not be doing a debate in this episode. This is like part one mm-hmm. of a two-part series uh, because we're going to be going there on September 18th. So I figure... Why not do the debate after we actually go there? Uh, yeah, and, and we'll be taking part of a paranormal investigation in the yeah, house. So absolutely. we certainly don't want to debate until we have any any evidence from that. Um, but you're going to hear some evidence today Yeah, uh, in this episode, some awesome EVPs and other other creepy things. Yeah, it is uh, definitely interesting. This is going to be a longer episode. Uh, I do not think that... Um, This is a pretty tame episode. I don't think that you need to be warned in advance, Uh, although it is very interesting and it's very thought-provoking. Yes. It really makes you think about things. Yeah. And I I will just say, John, the current owner, was very articulate. I think we, we both realized there's no way we could tell this story 
as well as he can. Yeah. Uh, you know, all, all we did was just ask him questions <laughs> and let him tell the story. And have our minds be blown uh, as yeah. we got the answers and, to those questions. And we want all of you to experience that and then come and join us. Let's do some investigating at this house. Yes. Together. Investigate with Ghostly. Uh, come hang out. We'll, we'll have hangouts. Had Wouldn't our, you love to see Rebecca roll her eyes at me while we're in an investigation? This is what I'm talking about. We're going to be hanging out outside the house and then we'll be helping out doing some of the, or well, going on some of the investigating inside the house. We're also going to do bingo. We're, I guess we're also doing bingo. I'm, it's I'm, going to be spooky bingo. Spooky, we'll try to make it as spooky as possible, this bingo. The, you know, what makes. Um, <laughs> Bingo spooky? What's that? When you do it in a spooky spot. Of course. Because then the ghosts could like be the ones controlling. They could interfere with the numbers, They could interfere with things. Exactly. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So this is our interview with uh, John from uh, the Roth House. And we're going to just play it in its entirety. Yep. Uh, and Graveside Paranormal, of course. Uh, Yeah. Neil was was great to invite us along for this. And... uh, Yeah, I'm really excited about this. Yeah. Uh Pat, what do creepy stories, funny ghost memes, and inside ghostly information have in common? Um, my life. (laughs) Well, yes, but (laughs) no, it's also Ghostly Society on Facebook. Oh, yeah, I mean, that too, of course. But aren't all ghostly listeners in ghostly society? Not yet. What? I mean, that means that they're missing out on all my jokes. Yeah, they are. And missing out on chatting and sharing with other listeners and us, of course. We love talking to our listeners. If you haven't yet, you should consider joining our private group on Facebook called Ghostly Society. Let's hope now they will. Unless they're a woman in white. Spirits by the Graveside. Tonight's date is 8-26-21. Tonight's episode is a live episode. We are going to be talking about the Roth House. Is it a possession or is it a spiritual miracle that happened? Ladies and gentlemen, there's many forms of possession that actually happen. And in this case here, it is not something demonic. A lot of people believe that every time you hear the word possession, that you think Demons, like The Exorcist. Now, don't get me wrong. I appreciate movies like The Exorcist, uh, The Conjuring movies, but I don't think that's what this subject is about. And in the end, I'm hoping that you decide for yourself, is this a possession or a spiritual miracle? Once again, I'm Neil with Graveside Paranormal Presents Spirits by the Graveside. I welcome everyone in here today. We are going to be talking about the Roth House. But for right now, as usual, ladies and gentlemen, grab your favorite drink. 
Today's Mayans Gatorade. Go ahead and pop that top. Take a little sip. Cheers, everyone. God bless. Now let's start out with the news. All right. Now the paranormal news, usually what we do is we usually get the subjects and this and that from things that are going around the country or the United States. But today's we are going to just talk about Parapalooza 3. We're only 23 days away from September 18th, as you can see up there. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what Parapalooza 3 is going to be. We're going to have walkthrough tours throughout the day. It'll be in groups of six to eight at a time. Uh, you are going to start out at the top floor, go ahead and hit the main floor, and then you'll go down into the basement for an Anahata session. Now, just so everybody knows, and so I explain it well enough, what's going to be happening is you are going to receive some equipment. You're going to receive EVPs. When you're on the top floor, we'd appreciate everybody's quiet and respectful to everybody inside the house so that you can get the best EVPs. So you're going to be able to gather the evidence for yourself, and then you're going to head down to the basement where you're going to give the EVP to Steve. And Steve is going to send it to your email. Hey, Steve, tell hey. me a little about that. <clears throat> so, yeah, we're going to have, uh, like Graveside Paranormal usually does, we have uh, an investigative experience that you're going to join us on. And uh, we're going to be able to use our equipment. You can bring your own equipment, too. But we do have equipment for everybody. Um, we're going to be uh, trying to capture some electronic voice phenomenon. And, Neil, later tonight, there's a sneak preview. This is a spoiler. We caught some really cool EVPs when we went to the Roth house. Yes. And we're going to share those with yeah. you tonight. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen. So just so that you know, tonight we're going to show evidence of the things that we what we caught at the Roth house. Now, just so you know, try to put on headphones. Uh, it sometimes does help um, when you're going to be listening to some of the evidence, especially in the first video. Uh, the first video, we're actually getting a girl who is there with us as we're doing the investigation. It's a disembodied voice. Now, it's not a very easy thing to hear, uh, but the EVPs are very clear on this thing. And the things that we got from the Anahata, I guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to truly enjoy tonight. This is not all the evidence that we had, because all the other evidence that we do have, we are going to put it together with uh, the Overnight Stay documentary. And we're going to put that together for the 12 people who are staying for the Overnight Stay. That is sold out. We cannot give away any more tickets, because I want to make sure everybody's comfortable if I did that. It wouldn't be accountable for everybody, but I thank everybody who did buy those 12 tickets. That's awesome. And for the other people who are coming out, it's $10, $10. You can't beat that. You're going to get equipment. You're going to be using EVP, send it to your email, and we're going to be videotaping throughout the whole day. So you That's can't. right. And our uh, custom build equipment, like the Anahata, which is mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah. right behind me right there. Yeah. And some of the other cool things is like on our show tonight, Ghostly Podcast is going to be there. Pat and Rebecca are going to be doing there, doing what they do best, and they're also going to be doing bingo for us. So they're going to be doing out there a lot of fun for us. One of the reasons why I want to do things like a bingo, and we're also going to be doing a pinata, is because we want to bring in a lot of positive energy throughout the day. The more positive energy that we bring in throughout the day, the spirits are more receptive. And if the spirits are more receptive, you get more evidence. And that's what I want to do. So I want to try and make this a really good experience. We are going to have some food out there. 
uh, for you to go ahead and purchase while you're there. We have some tables out there. So if you want to sit and relax and stuff like that, uh, let's, uh, we're also going to have a speaker. I'm going to be doing some speaking out there. We're also going to have Jack Chavez of Paranormal Chicago out there. He is going to be out there talking about a phenomenon called crawlers. No, that's not Jack. That The first picture was Jack, but it's called a phenomenon called crawlers. Uh, it'll be a very interesting speaking engagement. He's writing a book at this time about this, and he's, he's letting us uh, go ahead and listen to him a little bit about this and give us a, a little bit of a, a pre-thing before his book ever comes out. So thank you, Jack, for coming on there. Now, we're also going to be splitting, playing Split the Pot for charity. We're going to be giving half the money to a one-time winner and the other half to the National Kidney Foundation. I want to, I always do something with charity. Uh, and this one here is National Kidney Foundation, and that's very close to uh, Ghostly Society. Uh, so we are going to be doing that. And like I said, we are going to be doing bingos. We are also going to be doing raffles during the day. We're going to be raffling off some equipment as well. So a lot of people are going to be having a lot, a lot of fun. Now, we're going to have our vendors out there. Now, our first vendor, vendor who's going to be out there is Sias Jewelry. She's going to be out there doing what she does best. Mr. Jason Streets uh, is going to be doing tarot cards. He's going to be out there. Uh, Dream With Me, Nina Cannon, is going to be out there. Uh, Mr. Ian Delinsky from Springfield Ghostbusters is going to be out there helping us along. Uh, and they're going to be uh, sending the check to the Kidney Foundation for us. They're going to be out there with that mobile right there, that uh, Springfield Ghostbusters van. I believe that's the one that they're going to be doing, not the cartoon one, of course. But <laughs> they're going to have something like that. So they're going to come out there and have some fun with all the uh, guests out there. Uh, we are also going to have Angel Cards by Chris. Angel, she is one of our main people with Graveside Paranormal. You're going to really love the work that she does. There has not been one person who has not walked away without a smile on their face. I guarantee you, Chris is awesome. She is great. And then we have our very own from Moonlight Bean, Carrie Bean, I love Carrie. She's gonna be helping us out too. She's gonna to be selling a lot of her products. Ladies and gentlemen, please go out there and uh, purchase that. Uh, some of the other people, I was not able to get some of their, um, their icons. Uh, Fashion Pieces is going to be out there. Tina Treasures is going to be out there. CC Handmade is going to be out there. Uh, if I did not receive yours, I do apologize, um, but I, uh, I just don't have it. So, and one other thing that we're going to be doing, when the sun goes down, we are going to be doing scrying. For those of you who are not familiar with scrying, smoke scrying, we are building a box that we actually already built called a scrying box. And we're going to be filling it up with a whole bunch of fog from the fog machines. And we're going to see if we can call upon spirits to take form inside the scrying box. A little bit about that, Steve? No, um, I'm just... You want me to? Should I'm excited. Tell, tell them about it. Because this is... I, only, I put it together. You gave me the instructions. Right. right? So, I, ladies and gentlemen, in 1988, I met a lady by the name of Anna Kane. This lady named Anna Kane, I'm going to talk more about it. I thought she was a little nutty, and that's fine. But she told me about a story about four conjurers in Valparaiso, Indiana, and they called themselves conjurers. And in 1871, they built a thing called a scrying box. And a book from a great-grandmother was given to her. And the way she explains it to me is that the book has the instructions of how to make the scrying box. But whoever signs it off, the next owner of it is bound to the book. 
now seventeen years old. So I'm like, all right, whatever. She says, I have to give this book to somebody. So I said, all right. So I said, just to humor her. I signed my name on it. I took the book. She said, now you're bound to the book. Now, for years upon years, I've had this book. And for some reason, I've always had these dreams about this thing, and it gives the instructions for how to build the box. This box is going to be built on that day, on September 18th. 23 days away, by the way. And we are going to try to do smoke scrying. And there's more to the story, and I'll tell it more on the day of. Have you ever done smoke scrying before, Neil? I mean, no, we were supposed to do it last year, but because we of the pandemic, we were not able to do that, Steve. What could possibly go wrong? I don't want to give it away too much because I don't want to scare too many people. All right. Let's just say they're just going to have to come out and see. We're going to we're going to do it. Yeah, we're just going to have to see. All right. So that's about uh, Parapalooza. But the other thing is all our tickets are going to be going on sale for all our tour, tours. Sorry. On September 9th, we are going to be having three new tours, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to be having our original nightlife tour every Friday and Saturday night in the month of October. Uh, we have one tomorrow night because we did a couple summertime ones. There are some tickets left. You can go on our Facebook and jump on our event right there. Uh, we are also going to be doing a thing called the Trick or Treat Tour. We are going to be working with Mr. Tim O'Connell. Uh, we are going to be working with Kildare Haunted City. Uh, we are going to be doing a half and half where it's a haunted tour in the beginning, and then we take you on a ghost tour. Also, we are going to be doing a daytime dead tour with Mr. King of Paranormal Radio, Mr. Robert Trisek, and his partner in crime, Jack Chavez, the one I was telling you about earlier. They are going to be doing our daytime dead tours for us this year. So enough about Graveside Paranormal. Before, I want to welcome in. Before you go on to the next thing, if folks want to come out tomorrow night, we have a couple tickets left. Where do they get the tickets, Neil? Well, they like I said, they can go on Facebook and they mm -hmm. can link on to our Eventbrite ads that are on there, and that can take you right to Eventbrite. The ticket's only thirty-eight dollars. It's a forty. I mean, uh, it's a thirty-eight dollar ticket, and it's a four and a half hour tour. Right. And we do we make it a lot of fun for you, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to be able to use equipment, and you're going to be filmed, and you're going to be able to be put out the next following Saturday on our YouTube channel of all the evidence that you found. Our, our tours are very different, and I hope you uh, stay tuned and uh, check out the ones in October. Does that sound good, Steve? Yep. Thanks. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So let's go on to Parapalooza 3, The Roth House. I want to welcome in Pat and Rebecca of Ghostly Podcast. How's it going, guys? Hey, how are you? We're so excited to be here. Very Man, excited. I am excited to have you guys tonight. I really am. And I'm so excited to have you guys on uh, Parapalooza 3. I reached out to Pat uh, and I asked him, hey man, do you want to be part of this uh, really cool event? And it was like, hell yeah. He wanted to be part of it right away. And the cool thing is, you guys are going to be out there doing what you're doing best. You're going to do your broadcast, uh, probably taking questions from people and stuff like that, one-on-one uh, -on -one with people. Uh, we're also going to have you doing bingo. Yeah, I've never done bingo before. I'm excited. I've never done it, but I'm hoping that we can make it really spooky, though. Yes. Oh, bingo. <laughs> I, I guarantee you that. If there's one thing I do do, uh, I am spooky, but I'm, I'm a big believer in making sure everybody has fun being spooky. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not going to be all boring and stuff like that. We are so excited that Jack is going to be there, too. Uh, Jack is a good friend of the podcast, and right. we, we love him. He knows everything. Yeah, the man knows everything. 
yeah. yeah. He, he has his, his he has his uh, uh hand in everything. He you know? does. Yes. He has yes. a very knowledgeable guy. One other thing we want is people to bring their ghost stories with them. Um, that's one of our favorite things is for people to come and tell us about all the spooky, fun stuff they've seen, experienced, uh, either in, in the Roth house that day or in the past. Um, that's our favorite. So if you're coming, which I hope you are, please bring your ghost stories. We want to hear them. Or maybe, yeah. maybe you know, something that happened on one of your tours. We would yeah, that would that be too. great. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I man, I got so many stories to tell. It's it's ridiculous, and we have so many of our our return guests uh, uh, from Blue Honor Tours. They're coming out there, man. Uh, actually, at least five or six of them bought tickets to the Roth House. And they're like, Neil, oh, I know you're going to show us a good time, and you know that's what we do. Is I, I try to make everything very positive. So one of the things I want to talk about Ghostly Podcast real quick is I love that episode of The Conjuring Path. <laughs> now I know, I know, I know. Rebecca is a team believer, and majority of the time when I'm listening to the podcast, I see that <laughs> I usually want to be on your side. <laughs> but this time here, man, he brought forth the thunder, boom, and he uh, <laughs> he, he put it out there, and I was like, this, oh, yeah, he made sense. And, and you know, every so goes. often, every so every often, so often. But the one cool thing bit. is just a little bit, yeah. But the one thing I want to definitely make him is definitely team believer at the Roth House. That there is a guarantee. That is my goal. I have a goal in mind, and that is to make Pat a believer at the Roth <laughs> House. Guaranteed. Man, that would make my life a lot easier. Actually, <laughs> being a believer. I get a lot of um, people emailing me about how I'm not a believer and how dare I not be a believer. And Right. And be out there the time that Neil Gibbons made – Pat, a believer. If we, anyone we can, day, you know, we could sign like things like of him a picture in front of the Roth House, team believer, right? You know, something, <laughs> you know, something like that. I didn't get rid of my team skeptic shirt then. That's right. Yeah. That's right, man. So once again, I welcome you guys in, man. I am, I am stoked about this. I, man, I'm looking so forward to this. It's, it's going to be unbelievable. But now I want to welcome in John of the Roth House. John, welcome. To Spirits by the Graveside, Graveside Paranormal Presents, Spirits by the Graveside. Thank John, you. I want to tell you something, man, mm-hmm. and I want to tell our audience this, <clears throat> is that I went to your house, me, my wife, Michelle, and Steve, thinking that it's just like a regular ghost hunt. I have to be honest with you. John is one of the most welcoming people to the home of the Roth house. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when you go to this thing, you can either do Airbnb or you could do a ghost uh, ghost hunt. Am I right on that, John? And a dinner. And a, I was going to get to that, John. I was going to yeah. get to that. Mm-hmm. Is that John makes this charcuterie board for people who are not familiar with the charcuterie board. It's a large board that has different meats and cheeses and stuff like that and fruit on there. And uh, I love those things. And he put it out for us. And then... He makes this large meal for you. Like I had to stop him. I said, dude, I'm going to go to sleep. (laughs) But the thing is, is that he made it so welcoming that like I thought it was one of the best experiences that I had going on a ghost hunt was going there. And the thing is, you go outside to the back end of the house where he has an all brick patio and it's beautiful. And he has like a little waterfall over to my left if I'm sitting out there, of course. Mm -hmm. And. I'm just looking up because he's got how many acres you got? Four or five? Uh, five. 
five acres of land. Wow. And you look out there and you're just like, wow, this is cool, dude. I was telling him, I go, man, if I knew I was coming, I'd bring a case of beer. You know, <laughs> I would just hang out here eating and drinking all night because the uh, the ambiance inside and outside of the house is just great. He rebuilt this house. Uh, John, tell us a little bit about the hard work that you put into it. Well, when I bought Ralph home 16 years ago, uh, it hadn't been lived in for 10 or 15 years mm-hmm. and no work had been done on it for about 40 years. So imagine letting a home suffer that much neglect, right? It was, it was a wreck and it required one of two decisions. Either you tear it down and start over or you put everything you have into it and save it. And I looked at that home and I saw it not only as um, a place where something very interesting happened, but a place that was very important to uh, people locally. That was a very interesting piece of architecture for the town and for the county. And, you know, I I tend to um, think of the house as a living thing uh, after so many years there. It was something worth saving. It was a a thing worth saving. It was like, it was like a a living thing that, that needed to be saved. And, uh, and so I spent years, uh, you know, I'm, I, I would do work on the house when I had money available uh, or when I had the time and the effort to do it myself. Um, or, you know, there's a lot of like will that has to go into doing that kind of work as well. And oh, yeah. so it was, it'd be like lots of activity and then pay off a bunch of bills and then do more activity and pay off more bills. And, and, um, and so it took about uh, 12 years, 12 to 13 years to get it to the point that it was livable and beautiful and it was a reflection of what it was be. Uh, again, I had to basically redo everything in the house. Um, mm-hmm. The first phase was stop damage from happening. Um, when I bought the house, there were holes in the roof and when it would rain, the water would just seep down through the walls, seep down through the wood, um, just seep through the whole house. So imagine that kind of damage going on inside a house. Uh, the walls were all plaster and brick. And so when I would, because of all the water damage, I would just reach over and I'd touch a wall and it the plaster turned to sand and it would just fall off the wall. Oh, Lord, that's that's exposed brick. Yeah, that's gonna be the radiators, beautiful old uh, cast iron radiators, um, boiler system didn't work. The owner told me, you know, not to expect it to work. Um, so there was no heat in the house. The electrical was 70 years old. Some of it was 70 years old. Some of it was a hundred years old. Um, so basically everything had to be ripped out and we had to start over. Um, and it was like just bare bones, right? Uh, mm-hmm. in the house, or there were beautiful things with the house, like the beautiful wood floors. They yeah. Those floors are phenomenal. Yeah. And some of them had been covered over with plywood and then linoleum. Mm-hmm. And once I would peel that up, then I'd find like five layers of, um, you know, prior varnish and paint and whatever else they would use on the floors back 150 years ago, 120 years ago. Um, I think that plywood was put down about 70, 80 years ago at this point. And you were telling me that you're the fourth owner within the 100 year period, correct? Yep. Yep. You know, and for all the talk of possession and demons and whatever negative thing people can say about the house, when people buy this house, they hold it until they die. 
And that's been true for the last 110 years. And wow. and now that it's done, now that I've like, I've tried to take every piece of it and put it back the way it was. So that when you walk onto the property, you are transported back in time. That you feel what it was like to live as a Victorian in 1868. You feel the like the weight uh, in a good way of like the architecture of all the old wood of the wood that was being cut down from virgin forests and turned into homes, mm-hmm. of, um, the, the solidness of, of real plaster on brick walls. Um, mm-hmm. a beautiful story, I think with the house is that, um, you know, 150 years ago when it was built, um, all the walls were plastered and there were two families in town that did plastering. So when I went to have the walls replastered, because I wasn't going to put drywall over them, I wanted it done the way it had originally been done. Mm-hmm. I went to the one guy left in town who plastered, and he was 85. And he came out and he said, well, I'm going to do this as my last project. Wow. I'm going to do this as my, my last project in my career. And I'm going to do it because it very well may have been my family that first plastered this house 150 years ago. And it would be a great end point in my career to finish, to redo a project that, that my family had, had once done. That's, that's awesome. That, that's, that's a really cool story. Mm-hmm. I, I, see, that's what I'm talking about. The positivity that went into what you did, okay? Because mm-hmm. you won the 2020 uh, Illinois Award, correct? Uh, uh, yep. Uh, Landmarks Illinois uh, mm-hmm. uh, awarded the house the uh, the restoration award, right? Restoration award. Mm-hmm. Yep, we won that, and it's the positivity that went into do that because you were bringing something back to life, man. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I, I'm when me and Steve first went there, and I didn't meet you. You remember I called you on the phone? Mm-hmm. I actually fell in love with everything just by looking outside. I ain't lying to anybody, man. Is that I called you like right away? I said, man, this place is amazing. <laughs> And I fell in love with all the land that was there, the mm-hmm. house itself. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, when you come out here, uh, and we, I know we talk about the word possession, and I know you brought that up again. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're thinking that it's something demonic, this isn't for you. Right. I'm not saying that you're going to get a teardrop and it's something like that. There are spirits there in this house. I know there is. The reason why I know is because of the evidence that we got. You have the positivity of the day that we're going to have, the positivity of John doing all that rehab to the house. And ladies and gentlemen, the positivity as we talk about through this is actually a very positive story. And that's what I love to when I hear these kinds of stories and I love to build upon them and just Put them out to people. Ladies and gentlemen, yes, when you do come out, you are going to speak with spirits. That is a promise. I promise you that. Neil Gibbons his hand that we will try to find as much evidence as we can for you. I know Pat's going like this. He goes, okay. <laughs> no, I just, I, I can't wait. I know, man. I, I just wish that your remodel had been like a reality show that I could have. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It was a reality show. A very scary reality show. In, in, for me. <laughs> what right. was your favorite feature that you remodeled? You know, um, it's actually not an original feature. Mm. Uh, well, I'd say there's two. Uh, there's two features. Um, one is people, I you know, I bought the house. The house was painted barn red on the outside. It was painted pink. Everything 
<laughs> Everything was painted pink on the inside. Mm-hmm. And people say, what are you going to paint it? What color are you going to paint? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm not a creative person that, uh, you know, was born with the creative gene. So I have no idea. So I decided, kind of like the idea that the house is a living thing. And by the way, um, in an investigation, as an aside, I once, I, I used to hang out with the people who do investigations at the house, the groups that would come. And this stretches back like a decade. And then for me, it got weird. Uh, it got weird. Like I have a rule now, which is never investigate your own house. Right. <laughs> right? And in one of those investigations, the how the, the, um, they're getting like very intelligent answers back. And I asked, we were trying to figure out who it was or what it was. And I asked, are you the house itself? And mm-hmm. it answered yes. Interesting. And so, you know, for a long time, I felt like I'm like the curator of this house. I'm the caretaker for this house for this time that I'm alive and I own the house. Um, but that the house is like its own entity that that exists and lives and breathes. Um, so people would ask me like, okay, well, what color are you going to paint the house? And what color are you going to paint inside? And I'm like, I have absolutely no idea. So I decided to let the house speak for itself. And I would scrape down. I treated it like a giant jigsaw puzzle. And I'd scrape down and figure out what is original here? And so something like paint, I would, you know, fortunately, nobody ever did anything to the house except paint over something else or paint or do something over what was already there. So I could just get underneath whatever was on top of something else and say what was originally here. So I scraped under, you know, seven or eight layers of paint dating back 150 years and I would get to the lowest layer of paint. I'd put it in plastic bags, little Ziploc bags, and I'd take it and have the paint analyzed with um, historic preservation contractors here in Chicago. And they would help me identify the original color scheme of the house. Wow. So wow. I'm not a designer, but I was able to recreate the original style and the original color scheme of the house by just letting the house talk for itself, speak for itself. So when you come visit the house and you look at a color on a piece of wood, that's the original color scheme of the house. And in the vast majority of cases, that's where it appeared. And the house kind of feels like a calico cat where you've got, you know, these deep reds in one room and then these deep uh, golds in another room, and then these deep greens in another room, and then two shades of tan that go through the house. And it's just this really earthy, colorful Victorian color scheme. Um, so that was that was one of my, I, I guess that's one of one of my favorite things about the house is just letting that color scheme, letter, letting that original detail come back out. And then the other, it's not original, but it was um, an addition from a woman who lived in the house in the 1940s and 1950s. And I have a great deal of respect for her. She was, um, her name was Catherine Clifton. And she, uh, at the age of 40, 40 or 42, something like that, um, inherited farmland that comprised of 36 farms. And it was about the size of Rhode Island. Wow. So imagine being, essentially, she was married, but she just married. So basically, she was this independent woman who in 1940, who came into a huge amount of property, of land and wealth. And she had to figure out in 1940, how to manage 36 farms with 36 men running those 36 farms 
and not be taken advantage of, make sure that they were worked the way that she would want them to be worked and to maximize um, the efficiency of those farms. And she did that uh, in a very creative way of, I think a very literal way of overseeing. She bought an airplane, she learned how to fly, she built herself a hangar on the back part of the property. And every morning she would get up and she would fly over the property, all of her farms, and she would take notes on what needed to be done. She'd make sure people weren't lying to her. She would make sure she wasn't being taken advantage of. And she would make sure that um, they were being run the way that she wanted them to be run. And she would come back and she would take her notes and she had a, a hired guy she would send out to deliver the notes to everybody. And, you know, she managed her, her shit, as it were. <laughs> Basically. And yeah. the thing is, is that there was a lot of different characters who were inside the house besides uh, Mary Roth. You had a judge who was inside the house. Uh, he got in trouble with uh, some things. Uh, so it's, And then she was an owner of the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you've had a lot of backstory lines of, and I, I don't know if I'm using the right word character correctly, but, but they had strong storylines in their lives and those leave impressions inside that home as yeah. well. So it's not just the story of Mary Roth, but just so that we understand, John, cause you told me Mary Roth did not grow up in the Roth house. Correct. Mm-hmm. She grew yeah. up about three or four blocks down where, like, there's, a, like, a Menards or something like that, or a hardware store down the block. Uh, an auto zone. There's an auto oh, zone, yeah. in, uh, yeah. like, warehouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it, the house was built after her death. So that brings us into uh, the story of the Watsika Wonder. Uh, now, when she was only six months of age, uh, Asa and Dorothy started noticing uh, different things about her. Can you tell us a little about that, John? Yeah, so from essentially the time she was born, uh, like you said, from about six months onward, she started exhibiting strange behavior. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I've been around a few people and a handful of people in my life because I, I work in higher education. And and so there'll be people on campus who have uh, epileptic seizures, right? Mm-hmm. So I've seen several people have seizures. And to me, the way it's described in the story, it sounds like she's having a seizure. Mm-hmm. in the beginning part of her life and these things so something like a seizure something that seems like a seizure is happening from the time she's six months old until the time she dies mm-hmm. when she's 18 years old mm-hmm. however in the beginning it happens once every few months and then as she grows older you know she's a few years of age then it begins happening once a month and then it becomes once mm-hmm. uh, multiple times a month and then once a week and then multiple times a week just you know, increasingly, increasingly bad, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Increasingly worse. And um, her parents, uh, imagine being in the middle of rural Illinois Mm -hmm. in 1850, 1855, and having a medical problem, psycho, you know, medical problem, psychological problem, spiritual problem, like however you want to think about this. Mm -hmm. Imagine having a problem like this and being in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, with no cars, no, you know. You got you got yeah. a horse and nobody within any distance of that horse will be able to help you. Wow. And um so her parents took her to any doctor they could take her to who would see her. Um you know, they tried 
religious options. They tried medical options. Uh, they in, they took her to an asylum at one point, and she was in uh, an asylum in Peoria mm -hmm. uh, for a time. Um, any treatment they could take her to um, that have you know that they thought could help, they did. And um, and so, but what happened? I mean, nothing yeah. happened. It, it did not help her. Yeah, and so she, at the age of 18 years of age, she was put in the asylum. Now, I believe, now, psychiatry was actually still in its infancy, okay? Um, I believe that, uh, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, you guys give me your own opinion if you wish. I believe there actually is a fine line between a, a psychiatric problem as well as some kind of possession or speaking with spirits. That's my opinion. Uh, I've worked in the realm of dealing with psych uh, patients before, uh, and we'll get into how Mary Roth would cut herself. Sometimes it is, uh, I've met people who do that, is to alleviate some kind of pain that is going on, some kind of distress that is going on in their lives, as well as she would also take leeches and place them on her forehead for bloodletting. Uh, that was uh, something that was uh, thought in the realm of psychiatry, if I'm right on that, John. Uh, and people believe that. So that's why I say that is very much in the infancy of that. Whereas you're doing some extreme stuff by putting leeches on your, on your temples and stuff like that. And when she was put in the institution, in the Peoria institution, if you look back at some of these pictures, it's unbelievable where they would put them inside these baths and inside the baths, they would put them in there for like hours in a cold one. And then all of a sudden, think by putting them inside of a hot one, all of a sudden, they're all of a sudden going to change. The only thing I'd be getting is going, oh, my God, why do I have to deal with this cruel bastard? That's all I'd be getting from something like that. Well, in, in naturopathic um, treatments and stuff like that, they do a cold, hot bath like that, mm -hmm. too. It's, mm -hmm. I've, I was part of it once, and it was definitely something very jarring to your system. You, oh, where <laughs> yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah exactly. I mean, it is freezing cold, and then yeah. all of a sudden you're just so hot you feel like you're burning up. Yeah, it's almost where you want to pay, pass out almost. Absolutely. Um, and then they would put them inside these small cages. And ladies and gentlemen, when I say small cages, I mean something like a coffin and lock them away for days upon days, if not months. And they would put these boxes over their head to, you know, to keep them not looking around or anything like that. I forget the word that I want to use. But um, they would do all these things in there. But I do believe there is a fine line between uh, something, uh, some kind of possession sometimes or uh, in psychiatry of what is wrong with someone. But, you know, once again, that's my opinion. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Well, I, have a, uh, I have a rule with the house. Um, from 15 years, 16 years of owning it. And it's don't be of weakened mind or spirit mm -hmm. at the house. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about someone like Mary Roth, I see someone, let's say it did start off as epilepsy and it was something medically explainable today. Mm -hmm. um, over time, if that's happening more and more frequently, it's going to weaken your spirit. Yes. And then once you're of a weakened spirit, then what can take advantage of that? And, um, you know, I, you can see, you know, I can think of examples of that, of how it would play out in a human world among humans. But then couldn't that also be possible with a spirit world 
and this kind of intangible world that we might be able to interact with or that can interact with us. And so, you know, toward the end of her life in the last few years, she began to show signs of not just of having something like a seizure, but she would go into clairvoyant states and she could read envelopes that were closed. She could read books that were closed. She could, um, uh, she would seem to be talking to things that weren't there. That maybe that's a hallucination. Maybe it's something more, but especially the clairvoyance, like that's not explainable as something medical or as something that's epilepsy. And so I, I'm left wondering whether, you know, whatever was going wrong, wrong with her, if it was so bad that allowed something else to come in and, and take advantage. Yeah. I, go ahead. Oh, no, that I was actually going to ask about that. Cause I remember reading that there were some yeah. things that she did that were more unexplainable, I guess is the way to say, but I, I like your mm-hmm. explanation. I think that, um, at least is a, as a potential explanation for, for what happened. Cause there did seem to be a change um, mm-hmm. in her at a certain point. Uh, and then, I guess, was the sending her to the asylum just a last-ditch effort to try to to help her because things were getting so bad, or? Well, so she she died in 1865. Um, There's a census document that someone gave me from Peoria for the census of 1860, and it shows a Mary E. Roth in residence at an address in Peoria that has many other names listed against it. So imagine an asylum in 1860 in Peoria, which wouldn't have been Bartonsville because Bartonsville was, uh, I think, built in like the 1880s. Um, but, you know, it was probably like a big boarding house kind of style or, you know, a large building, but not as big as like the later institutions. And, um, you know, she might have been in, she could have been residence in residence there then, right? So it wouldn't have been so much at the end of her life, but uh, maybe more ongoing. Um, there's references in the story that sound like maybe she went back and forth mm-hmm. or that she was there for many months and then it came back. And so it was more like a treatment that she underwent. Um, so it's, it's not really clear to me, like exactly how much time she spent there. Um, but I think it was more ongoing than it was just at the end. Mm. John, do you know if she actually died in the house? Cause there is some discrepancy that she died at the asylum or that she died at the house. I think that it is ambiguous that okay. when I read the last lines of her story, mm-hmm. it says that she came downstairs, she ate some breakfast, I think it was toast and a tea, and went back upstairs. There was a scream that was heard. People ran upstairs and they found her splayed across the bed and dead. Mm. Now that, could, that could have taken place in something that's more institutional, like kind of a boarding house that's serving as an asylum. And it could have taken place at her home with her family. It doesn't say, and Mr. and Mrs. Rolf ran upstairs and found her, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I'm left wondering, I, I'm, I'm left as with, you know, with it being unclear. Okay. She died. Not that I think it matters much, you know, for the overall story, but uh, it's just kind of interesting that, you know, we can't put a place to her death. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, and I agree with you completely, John, and I talk about this a lot of times, is when we let our defenses down, either through drugs, alcohol, or uh, depression, like that, we do welcome in these things. I, I know because I've seen these cases before, and you're absolutely right about that. You know, you could uh, be broken down. It's a, You have your forms of uh, a possession where eventually you get oppression, 
and you're getting broken down and then that leads to something very negative in someone's life. Uh, so yeah, that good point. Very good point brought up. Um, before the hundred days came and Lorancy was going to come back to her body. Do you know if the Roth family had any closure you think? Um, yeah. So, you know, so there's two phases to this story. There's first the, you know, Mary Roth and her tragic life. And that took place in obscurity, really, right? It's this one family uh, um, just dealing with it. And so Mary dies in 1865. The same month that she dies, they buy the property, um, 80 acres. So where the house would be built, and then they're going to you know, farm the rest of it or rent it out to be farmed. And over the next two or three years, they build this house, uh, Roth, what I call Roth home. Um, I don't know exactly when, but at some point they convert to spiritualism and because they believe that what they saw with their daughter uh, had more than just a medical explanation that had as, as reasons for it, right? And they believe that they saw through their daughter that she had a spiritual illness and not a medical illness. And they found, they thought they over time found the answers with spiritualism. Mm. So for 10 years in this house, they contact, they, they, um, practice spiritualism. They try and communicate with their dead daughter. They work with mediums, a lot of it in the front room. Like when you come into the front room of the house, you know, enter the house, this is where, um, you know, this all happened, right? That they spent so many years basically doing the work of, you know, like ghost hunters, right? Like same things that ghost hunters come in and do now. I look at the house as being like, that it was, it's like a monument to spiritualism and it's a monument to the kind of work that ghost hunters do, right? Trying to find out, is there something else I can talk to? Is there something else on another side? And so they kept kind of poking that veil uh, for 10 years until finally something responded. And it responded in the, in, in the form of Lorancy Venom, who was a girl across town who was born two years before Mary Roth died. Mm -hmm. uh, by the time this happened in 1877, 1878, she was 13 years old. And for seven months, she went through something like what Mary Roth had gone through. Um, but I would say worse, right? She had, she'd go to these catatonic states. She would take on different personalities. She was generally violent. Um, her parents, um, they would keep her locked in her room, tired to her bed. Um, they would take her to doctors like the Roths did with their daughter. And of course, nobody could help her. Religious and people in town started rising up against her, saying whatever's going on this, with this girl isn't good. Can't be angelic. We need to get her out of town. And the parents were going to send her away and send her to an asylum uh, to live out the rest of her life there. And um, uh, the Roth family, they heard about what was going on. And they said, you know, uh, if we'd only known then what we know now through spiritualism, mm -hmm. we could have helped our daughter, Mary, uh, avoid her fate. Mm -hmm. And shouldn't we intervene in this case mm -hmm. and try to help this girl, Lorancy, with whatever whatever's going on with her? Mm -hmm. So they make an appointment and they go and visit the, the Benhams. And it happens to be Mr. Roth uh, and a spiritualist doctor who they've called the town. And... Um, while they're there visiting with the Venoms, uh, Lorancy comes downstairs and takes on three different personalities. And the first two kind of come across to me like cranky old people. Right. <laughs> um, you know, they don't, it's not like evil and demonic, but it's like, I don't know, 
somebody cranky and old has died, and then that's that's like the, kind of the expression that right. through when she, they talk to her. And um, but then the third that comes through says that she's Mary Roth. Right. And starts asking all these you know uh, questions of the family of, of Mr. Roth. How's everybody in the family? How's Ma? How's uh, Nervy? My sister. Uh, how's everyone doing? And I've missed you so much. And I've seen you trying to communicate with me at the house. And I'm just so thrilled to be able to talk to you today. And by the way, let me tell you what's going on with this girl. This girl is very ill. And the angels in heaven have taken her soul up to heaven to be cleansed. And while she's here with no soul, anything can pour into it. And usually something cranky or evil will be the what will happen. Uh, okay. So that's actually the point at which this 100 day story of possession uh, begins for Laurency Venom and Mary Roth. Um, she says that the angels in heaven want her to uh, remain in this body until it, until Laurency's healing is complete. And in this way, she could protect her from uh whatever else might pour into her. And so she makes this argument to the, you know, this goes on for like a week, right? Like the, the, the Roths are there for one evening and they think that, well, some other personality is going to come in tomorrow. Something else is going to just take over after that. Um, but Mary Roth never goes away. It's days later and it's still Mary Roth. And she's saying, I don't know you people and I want to go home and be with my family. And so the parents say, well, this is the most normal she's acted in months in seven or eight months and uh even though it's a different personality sure not being violent we don't have to keep her in her room or tie her to her bed um so if it would help her to go over to the roth house why not let her go stay there for a while because we were about to send her to an asylum yeah which you which would really have been the same thing and one of the things is is that um we were talking about cutting because mary roth was a cutter one of the things that she said when she came into the body of Lorancy venom these are not my arms. This is not my arm. She said, my arm's over in the, uh, the grave. Mm -hmm. So it, it's very odd how, like, all of a sudden, the spirit of another girl go, comes inside, ladies and gentlemen, and she's recognizing people, giving out names and nicknames of people that Lorancy Venom never knew. Understand, this is in the 1800s. We didn't have iPhones and all this stuff. Even though they were actually only blocks away from each other, am I correct on that, John? The Venom House and Roth House are only like maybe six blocks away. Uh, well, it's it's a small town. It was more. It, it was, was more town. town than the other. It was probably like ten blocks. But ten blocks. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. <laughs> and um, so you have this, and it's just such an amazing story right off the bat that this lady is recognizing people and talking about people's uh, family issues and this and that uh but it, continue on john i just wanted to put that in there uh continue on with uh Lorenzi venom going to the roth house please yeah and so the the roths are more than happy to oblige and they welcome home this girl Lorenzi venom uh, who's claiming to be their dead daughter and they welcome her into the home uh she stays with them for you know in the beginning she says the angels in heaven will only let me stay here until sometime in the spring. And then Laurence is going to have to come back uh, to take over her body again and live out the rest of her life. And um, so she warns them up front, right? This isn't forever. And, mm -hmm. uh, but in the meantime, you know, I 
want to spend that time with my family and they want to spend that time with me. And so imagine being the Roths and you uh, had a daughter that was very, very ill her entire life and not just ill lying in bed ill, but like violently ill. And, you know, like Neela said, a cutter and bleeding herself with leeches and cutting herself with a knife. Imagine how traumatic that must have been. And then all of a sudden, and then she dies violently in the middle of one of these seizures or episodes or fits or whatever you want to call it. Now you have the chance to live with this girl again, albeit through another girl's body, in a state of perfect physical and mental health. And how joyous that must have been for them. And cleansing and healing and um, like liberating probably mm-hmm. as well. So she moves in and she spends 100 days there. And, you know, you could say, well, was this a hoax? Was she, was somebody just feeding her information? Cause that was, that's a theory about this whole story. Someone was, she was in love with the brother in the family and, and the brother was feeding her the information. Hmm. I mean, that could be true, right? Like she, um, somebody would say, well, if you're really Mary Roth, then tell us what, you know, we did together at Easter in 1858. Or if you're really, really Mary Roth, then, you know, give me these details. So if you have somebody feeding you information, um, it's it could be possible that they could feed you the right information and you'd have it. It's like just memorizing sure. facts. Sure. But then, you know, there were cases where there'd be kind of these mystical experiences that would go on where um, someone, this woman came over and she said, if you're really Mary Roth, then you knew everyone in my family when I, we were growing up in the 1850s together. And if you're really Mary Roth, then you're dead and you have access to heaven and you can tell me everyone in my family who's died. And so the girl says, well, there's this person and this person and this person, names off several people. And then uh, she, there's one last name at the end. And the woman says, you're right for everyone except one. And that last person you named is someone who's never existed in my family. And so therefore this must be a hoax. Someone's feeding you information and you just screwed this up. And Laurency says, or Mary uh, says, well, the angels in heaven are telling me that was indeed someone in your family and it's a spirit in child form. So the woman, you know, walks off in a huff and says, oh, I've, I've discovered her. This is a hoax and goes home and tells her family. And one of the daughters says, well, mom, you know, at one point I was pregnant and I miscarried and it was so upsetting to my husband and myself that we chose not to tell anyone, but the name that Mary Roth gave you was the name we were going to give the child. Wow. Wow. And wow, that's crazy. And that's the thing is how would she get any kind of information? Even on those five names, it's a random question. Mm Mm-hmm. You yeah. would have to go back to that person and say, hey, this person just asked me that. Give me this names real quick. It's not, it doesn't work like that. You would have mm-hmm. to sit down with hours upon hours, and you're not even going to know who's going to walk up to you and ask you these questions. And you're That's, 13. Yeah. And you're 13. Yeah. And your attention span. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> so there were those kinds of things that happened at the house that I think really make this kind of this mystical experience, right? It's right. more than just somebody played a hoax on people and was memorizing information. No, like she appeared to have this connection 
like a medium, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a theory w- with this story that I like that resonates with me, which is what happened to Laurency Venom is that she was uh, born into a family where the female members had very strong mediumship abilities. And that what happened with her when she was hitting puberty is that she was coming into those abilities. Mm. And they were so strong that she couldn't control them. So through the intervention of Mary Roth and the angels in heaven, as they put it in the story, she was able to come to control these abilities and then go on to live out the rest of her life. And so in the in this story of, you know, naming the family members and then, you know, naming an unborn child that had miscarried. Um, it's like evidence of that, right? Of like this mediumship that was going on. Um, and so I, I see the story as this, just this, uh, you know, very touching story of two families mm-hmm. uh, where one had suffered a tragedy, a tragedy that's, that played out over 18 years and then sought spiritual answers uh, for that tragedy. Um, and then had the opportunity not only to heal themselves um, by being of service to other people, mm-hmm. uh, to this other family and to this girl, but also then of this other girl who was very sick and had the chance to be healed herself uh, right. through their help. And I, I really like that theory. Right. That's that's really really interesting idea mm-hmm. and concept. Uh, I know that there were seances that were done in the home. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us anything about any of them? Like what were they like? With the Roths, you mean? Yes. Or, yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, we've done seances since then, and <laughs> <laughs> yikes. Um, wow. so, um, so with the Roths, yeah, they they would have prominent people come over from the town and the county because, of course, you know, you've got this circus playing out in your house of this mm-hmm. possessed girl staying in your house. And, of course, everybody wants to, you know, have a piece of it. Um, and uh, so prominent people would come over. They would host, uh, like, dinners, and then they would do seances. And, um, and in these seances, the, you know, Lorancy then would – like Mary, Mary Roth would leave her body and other spirits would come in. Um, there is one episode where um, Laurency's spirit or Mary Roth's spirit bounced from person to person around the table. Really? So I basically didn't... went possessing each person around, uh, you know, wow. in the seance. Um, there's a, I, I would go through the story and I'd say, okay, what room did this happen in? <laughs> this element of the story happened yeah. in. And during, and I'd look for clues, right? And so in during during one of these seances, she gets possessed by this or channels the spirit. I think I, I like the term channeling more than I do possession. Sure. I, there's a medium I uh, I know, and I I hesitate calling somebody a medium unless I've really had experience with them and, and they've sure. really convinced me. There's one person I know as, as a medium who channels. And it's one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. Um, and... And so I, the story reminds me of that. Like you just start channeling somebody else's personality, um, just channeling that person, right? Like they've, they're, mm-hmm. they're possessing you, but it's, I think channeling is a nicer word. Yeah. Cause so, you're welcoming them in. So yeah. Channeling. Yeah. 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 And so um, it's like an old woman who starts who like gets some uh, like a knitting basket and starts to knit and she starts commenting on 
the the unique windows in this room and like oh that has to be the front room because it's got these floor-to-ceiling windows with the arched point to them and uh, you know very dramatic and like okay this had to be here in this front room with these windows um so there you know there's kind of like some mundane things that happen like the the woman just starts knitting uh right um and there's other strange things that happen like you know mary roth's spirit bouncing from person to person in a seance um wow. so wow yeah. that is that is wild mm-hmm. rebecca do you have any questions for john at all oh goodness so many questions <laughs> um, actually you know what one you know, you mentioned the story um, and I think I know the answer to this, but I'd love to hear this. Like, how do we know? I mean, you know, you've talked a little bit about some of the research you've done as far as looking at census records and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of what's like a, is, isn't there like a book or something that mm-hmm. was written where we get a lot of this material? Yes. Everything traces back to a pamphlet or it was actually published in a journal in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when they went through the story and they saw what was happening, the Roths, uh, well, and it's called the Watsika Wonder. So if people Google the Watsika Wonder PDF, Watsika Wonder, uh, there you go. That's the original mm-hmm. version of it. Yeah. And um, and it was a it was an article that appeared in a journal. I think it's called like the Psychosociological Journal or Psychospiritual Journal or something like that out of Chicago. It was published one year after the this story took place, and the Roths were um, they basically believed that what they saw happening in their home was evidence of what they believed as spiritualists. And so they wanted to document it um, so they could prove to the world that spiritualism was a correct view of the world. Right. And the guy who wrote the book, he was a hypnotist. Ah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, at least that's what I read. John, did you ever hear that before? <laughs> um, I, I've just heard him referred to as a spiritualist doctor. Okay. Because I thought I read somewhere that uh, he did hypnotize Lorancy. Am I correct? Um, that could be, that could be true. I thought I read that. They yeah. I'm sure there was someone that did it at some point. If it, yeah, <laughs> no, I thought it was like Ace Roth, Ace Roth brought, um, brought W. Stevens into Mr. Stevens into the house. Originally, he was trying to hypnotize her. At least that's what I read. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what was bringing out some, uh, sound like that older lady that you were talking about. She was actually kind of vulgar <laughs> about right. something. And, uh, and Steve always gets a kick out of what, what's being said. You'll probably hear him giggle in the background right now. But <laughs> the thing is, is that he was a hypnotist and he was trying to hypnotize her to uh, speak with whatever was inside of her, mm-hmm. which is having Steve, by the way, is a hypnotist as well. And I don't know if he'll try to do that on the day of. We never know. <laughs> but uh, I, I just thought I'd uh, bring that up. What about you, Pat? Do you have any other questions for John? Yeah, you know, um while listening to you, uh, John, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the story. I'm fascinated about, about you as well. Um, what, what made you want to purchase this home? And like, I know that it's, it's purely good reasons, but I just, you know, what was that driving factor like? Uh, well, back in 2005, um, I had moved back to Watsika, um, my father had fallen ill, and so I wanted to help take care of him. And um, I'd always had this dream of owning an old Victorian. Not always. I'd, I For a long time, I'd had this dream of owning an old Victorian. And I thought, well, this will be easier to do in a place like Watsika than in a place like New York City, which is where I drew from. Oh, yeah. And um, 
and and I also thought, you know, I've never been able to convince myself one way or another of whether, you know, is Christianity correct? Is there a heaven or a hell? Is Buddhism correct? Is there anything more than this tangible world? Why should I, I couldn't convince myself I should be an atheist, and I couldn't convince myself that I should be this firm believer. And I thought, well, what better way to figure out if there's something more in this world than to buy an old house that's supposed to be a haunted house? <laughs> Well, you're definitely going to find out something. <laughs> yeah. And so I thought, well, if, if this doesn't convince me one way or the other, I don't know what will. So um, that was also like part of it. Um, and also I wanted to save this old piece of architecture. And mm -hmm. and I, you know, I was really kind of fascinated by it. And I had this it's a beautiful house. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I have this view of um, in in town like in these small towns not just watsika but in small towns in general you know old buildings unless there's a concerted effort to save them uh they either burn down fall down or get torn down right. and i saw this as you know the house is in that same trajectory either falling down or getting torn down especially and um so i approached the owners and um you know talked to them about whether they had a desire to sell the house and um, and they were like, uh, yes, absolutely sign here. And because um, they wanted to be rid of uh, this house uh, <laughs> that needed so much work and nobody wanted to buy it. And <clears throat> so um, that's how I ended up with this, with this house. It wasn't really planned and um, that my life would take this direction, but, um, uh, but that's where I'm at. Well, I could tell by the um, background tapestry that you have that you definitely found a path mm -hmm. in some kind of spirituality. So I, I really appreciate that. <laughs> well, the and, and I think that the house has uh, has definitely convinced me. I'm not, I'm not agnostic. Mm -hmm. um, the house has convinced me that there is more than to this life than what we can touch through, um, you know than what we can see and what we can touch and uh, hear in this physical world. Um, and I think that we have to have a lot of respect for what may be. Mm. Right. Right. No, yeah. I totally agree with that. Totally. Uh, can you tell us a personalized story of anything that ever happened inside the house, John? Mm -hmm. Of a paranormal one. Yeah. Um, okay. I could tell a, a couple of different stories. I'll tell one that that is directly from me, right? So it's not like, oh, well, this person told me this, but, um, uh, or there was some investigation, but this is like directly from my own experience. And I like, I love the stories where things come from different directions, right? So it's not just like, oh, I got this recording, but that there was a recording and then there was a medium and then there was something else and they all kind of came together from different directions. You say, well, how do you, how do you uh, debate that? And um, and so this woman I know who's a medium, uh, uh, she plays into this story. So back in I don't know it was like seven years ago, uh, I went through a sudden breakup. Uh, I was the one who was broken up with, and it happened on February thirteenth, unexpectedly. Oh my god! Great timing, right? Days, right? And uh and at the time it happened, I didn't it didn't really like fully sink in. It was, you know, Valentine's it was gonna be Valentine's Day. And so 
at the time I was working, you know, in Chicago and then I'd come back to Watsika on the weekends and, and um, go back, go back and forth. So that weekend I said, well, okay, since I'm going to be alone this weekend, I'll just, I'll rent a sander because I was kind of doing a major project at the house at the time. I'll rent this sander and I'll go and I'll sand floors. And um, so I go through Kankakee, I get this sander. Of course, you know, those big orbital sanders weigh just a ton, right? They're just huge. And, oh, yeah. And uh, and then it had snowed. It had snowed like, uh, I don't know, like a foot and a half. Uh, one of those Februarys where it was just really cold and polar vortexes and blizzards and everything else. And so uh, it was kind of a treacherous line uh uh, drive back to the house from Kankakee with a sander. And, um, and I get to the house and I pull in the driveway and I look up at the house from the end of the driveway. And then it hits me. It is Valentine's day weekend. And I am alone. And I burst into tears in the driveway. And cause then it finally sink, sinks in. So I get through that. Uh, of course, when I say the driveway, I'm at the end of the driveway that, you know, it's like a hundred feet up to the house and it's snowed a foot and a half. So I have to drag the sander through the snow yeah. up to the house. Um, I get it in there. I take all the furniture from one side of the house. I move it to the other side of the house, uh, upstairs and downstairs. And, um, and I just spend the weekend sanding back and forth and back and forth. And, each room, I, I do about six hours in each room, sanding and sanding and sanding until I get under 150 years of, of dirt that was ground into the grains of the wood. Um, and about midnight on Saturday, and I'm alone with my thoughts, right? Because uh, it's just sanding and thinking and sanding and thinking. And, and about midnight on Saturday night, I just drop everything and I, I'm in the in kind of the this archway between the front parlor and the rear parlor. And I look up into the ether of the, just the air of the house. And I say, Catherine, you know, that woman uh, from the 1940s who owned the house. And I say, Catherine, you had all the money in the world when you did your renovation of the house, the last person who did the renovation of the house. And you could do whatever you wanted, you know, paint the house pink, paint the house barn red. <laughs> buy a plane, fly all, all over your property. You could do this. I can't. I don't know how I'm ever going to finish this house. I don't know how ever I'm going to find the money to do it and make it work and make it happen. Your reality show. When you think about it, you say, oh, this could be a reality show. I can picture like, all of this. <laughs> yeah. So this is like, you know, the the, uh, the the a dramatic moment in the reality show of me owning this house. And I say, you were able to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And beyond that, Whenever, no offense to all of you or anybody listening, but I thought whenever anybody comes to this house, it's because of the story. Nobody comes here to know me. They just want to know the story. And I'm sick of the story. It's like a ball and chain around my neck. And I've just, I've just had it. I don't know how I'm going to do this with this house anymore. Um, and so I, I vented, I got it off my chest. I'd spoke into the ether and uh, and I pick up the sander again, and I start sanding, and sand and sand and sand. Um, the next day, it's Sunday. I continue sanding. About I don't know seven o'clock that night or so, I lay down and I take a nap. And at eight, I wake up and I roll over. And as soon as I wake up and roll over, my phone dings with a text message. 
And it's the medium who lives about half an hour away. And she says, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. Why? And keep in mind, I didn't go, I don't go on social media and talk about my personal life really. And I don't. And at that time I didn't, and I didn't go on talking about like a breakup or anything or anything like that. So she says like, well, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm fine. Why? And she says, well, Catherine's here. And she's been here for about a half an hour and she refuses to leave until I give you a message. And that message is, she knows you feel sad. She knows you feel alone, but she wants you to know you're more than just the house. Wow. That is amazing, man. Wow. You know, it, that just goes to show you, like you said in the beginning, mm-hmm. it's the spirit of the house, mm-hmm. you know, and it draws, it's drawn in all these different things. And when your emotions are brought out into that, Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it, man, it, I like that story, John. That's a good story. I did. It, it is a, and I say, okay, if she's a fake, how do you explain that? Exactly, exactly. Wow. You know, can I can I tell? I, I love your story. Can mm-hmm. I tell one little story? Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's my show. All right. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> this is what's amazing, and I go to there. To, I called John. I said, "Hey, listen, I gotta go to Watsika. I gotta drop off some posters and this and that." And he says, "All right, go ahead, do whatever the hell you do, Neil." <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I'm going there, and it's time for me to leave. I hit my GPS. I swear my hand to God on this. I even told him this. I put my GPS on to, to go to my home, and it's sending me in a different direction, but I wasn't paying attention. And I'm in front of the Roth house. So I'm like, all right, maybe something weird, all right? Because I originally set my thing for Roth House, okay? So then I go back into my GPS, and this has never happened before. I type in my address, and I start heading out. It reroutes me back to the Roth House. Now, it happened the third time. <laughs> I, and I call him, and I or I sent him a message. I said, man, this is freaking weird, man. I had to wait till I got out of the city limits, before I could put that in my hand of God on that. It was, it was wow, weird. you just couldn't get away, huh? Dude, I'm like, what is this? I go, this yeah. is weird. <laughs> there is something definitely going on there. And what we want to do right now is we want to show you the evidence. First off, I want to make sure everybody kind of puts on some headphones. In the beginning video, you're going to be uh, listening to the beginning because you're going to hear a lady's voice. I believe that she was following us around in the, um, on the second floor. I think uh, most activity we're getting is definitely on that second floor. And then the Anahata, and I'm going to leave it for each and every one of you to decide, was coming up with names that are familiar to the home. See, like I told uh, John in the beginning, I said, what sounds like sometimes that you cannot decipher? But when you go through all the evidence, and I tell a lot of people this, you might walk away from a haunting or something like that. But when you go through a lot of the evidence, that's when you pick up things that you're like, I can't believe that was going on while I was standing there. And then the third, uh, I mean, the second uh, thing is going to be EVPs. So please put on your headphones. Steve, if you're ready, roll it. There it is. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Right on the lamp. It's right on the lamp. It's always right on the lamp. And then if you look at the other lamp, come back a little. Center it. There it is. Are you 
movie? Do you or raise your hand? Are there two of you in here? Do you raise your hand? See, that's in the mirror. Right, that might be Michelle. Right Michelle, come on. Yeah, right Whatever here. it is, it's boogieing down. Michelle, stay right behind Sue. This is coming from the mirror now, guys. Are you in that mirror? No, that's Can you do that again? No, buddy, no. Now it's dancing for Imitating you. Imitating my dance moves. <laughs> there you go, boogie dance. So we're looking over to the right side. This is what it looks like in the black light. You see the lamp right there? That's actually a mirror right there. For whatever reason, this is coming out of the mirror. Um, who, who's here? Who's, who's here that's Suzanne? <laughs> What's my name? Did you keep hearing Venom in the background? Are you saying Venom? Are you saying Lorenzi's name? You can tell us your story. <laughs> what two spirits, what's your names? They're near these lamps. That's my sister. That's my sister. So that's the first video. What's odd about it is how the name Asa keeps coming up. The name Asa keeps coming up. The name Venom keeps coming up. Uh, it's hard to hear that first disembodied voice in the front. I know it is. It's just I I can hear things all the way, and I was telling Pat earlier, I hear them in my left ear, and it's always my left ear, and I'm just, and Steve will tell you, he goes, how do you hear these things? Um, it's, I hear voices when I go into certain places and I pick up on certain things. Now, the next video is the last video. Some pretty good EVPs. Steve, roll it. The first possession of America, documented possession of America. And for 100 days, the first possession of America, documented possession of America. And for 100 days, Mary Rock. 
Did you enjoy your life while you were alive? Despite all the craziness that happened. She's looking at the animation Mary Ross. Did you enjoy your life while you were alive? Despite all the craziness that happened. She's looking at the animation You make that go back for us. You make that go red for us. So this is getting off the house. So this is getting off the house. Another one inside, one inside. Another one inside, one So what do you guys think of what you just seen? Is that pretty good? That's amazing. Yeah. Team believer already? Uh, not quite. Not quite there. Be nice. It's okay. Yeah. yeah you know, uh, and when we're talking about the mirrors and stuff like that, it's a thing called psychomantium. Uh, psychomantium is a thing where people uh, try to conjure things through mirrors. Uh, we've had it at different places like Whispers Estates where people put up mirrors throughout the house believing that spirits will come through the mirrors, back and forth through mirrors. What's odd about it is that figure was showing up, or at least the anomaly of an SLS. And then around that same time, you hear clearly, I'm sure everybody did hear that, take me to the mirror. Uh, yeah, that was the scare. That was the spookiest thing for me. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> or just the one that I heard the most, I guess. So yeah, I, I when I was listening to those, I was like, man, we caught some good stuff. And then here's the thing is, that's not all the evidence we caught, guys. And like I tell a lot of people is you'll sometimes walk away from places and go, I don't feel like I got anything. It's it's not not. And then when you go through all the evidence, that's when you start going, wow, I didn't know that was going on when I was when I, when that was happening. And it's an amazing thing that happened. Uh, one my now, Pat or Rebecca, do you have any more questions before we end this interview? You know, the only other question I had was, why do you think? I mean. I guess it makes sense, but do you think there's something about the house that maybe draws investigators or those interested in the paranormal to it? I mean, I know, you know, I guess if it has a reputation, but I just wondered the house itself, does it like, I mean, we were talking about it kind of being its own entity. Um, does it enjoy having people in it doing the seances and doing the investigations, do we think? I, I feel like the... I think the answer is yes. Um, and I feel like the character of the house has changed to a degree over time, right? Like when I, when I bought the house and was first doing work on the house, I got the, in the first few months, I got the sense I was being watched a lot at the house, right? Like watched and observed kind of like, well, who is this person we've never seen before? And, you know, when groups started going through the house and, I mean, I literally could not be on the lawn without somebody wanting to see the house uh, when I first got the house. <laughs> wow. And um, it's it's a story that I think, you know, even though it's 140 years old, the story sits in people's imaginations and, like, takes up this piece of, you know, what did the Roths do? The Roths wanted to know if they could communicate with their daughter. They wanted answers for what had gone on in this life. And what do ghost hunters do when they come to the house? They they seek answers for whether there's something beyond this world or, um, you know, like there was a medium that 
uh, Rick Hayes, who did an event at the house uh, last weekend, and people come looking to connect with their loved ones who've passed away to get answers for things that happened in this life. And and I think that the house is is like a, a vehicle, like a medium in and of itself uh, for that. Um, and it's 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 almost like it's like it's the nature of the house or the house was created with that purpose um and and since the renovation work has you know it turned a point where most of the like let's say 70 percent of the work was done it looked like a house again it looked like the way it looked 150 years ago um you know from around that point onward it feels like the house has taken on a different character like it's returned to because it went through a phase where it was much more negative um, 10 years ago. And I think that, you know, whether it's ghost hunting or life in general, you know, I think we have to cultivate the kind of energy we want in our lives. And and uh, Neil has mentioned several times about like staying positive or cultivating positive energy or seeking that out. And I think it's the same thing with the house, like that story um, with Catherine, right? I mean, that's a very positive story. And I think that, um, you know, over time, those, those kinds of that kind of energy is what's come to inhabit the house more than, than let's say negative energy. Um, the energy of a house that's broken down and, and neglected and abused and, and left and rotten decay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's returned with vitality and, and spirit and, and a new life. And, um, and so I think, you know, it's a beautiful house. It's been, just say beautifully restored and pat myself on the back for that. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) But it it is a beautiful house. And so I'm glad that I've been able to return it to its prior state. It's on a beautiful piece of property. It's retained that character of being this homestead from the 19th century. The oak trees to the, to the West of the house are, um, they were planted when the, the Roths probably planted them. So it's just got this old Victorian character. And, and I, and, People come there now to celebrate birthdays, celebrate anniversaries, um, just to spend like romantic weekends outside of the city um, and to reconnect with themselves. Like when I'm there, I can go outside at night and look up and see the Milky Way. Um, there's animals all around me of just being out in the countryside. And, and it, you just feel, I just feel like connected with the earth and more connected with myself. And, and I think that's what the house gives to people and then also you know connected with a more spiritual world right and we want we want people to come out and experience that kind yeah. of feeling yeah. and now if i could uh i'd like to just finalize what i think is going on um i think there is a spiritual miracle that happened and i think it happened to more than just one person i think it happened to more than just Lorancy venom i think that Lorancy venom yes the miracle happened with her that she was able to come back after 100 days and live a long life. And she died in California and lived a long life. Uh, Mary Roth, Asa Roth, Dorothy Roth, could they have had a moment where they found forgiveness? And sometimes that forgiveness that's inside that we want to have, it does us all well for our soul. And the moment that we're able to do that, we're able to share that with a whole lot of people. And that's one of the things we want to do on the 18th, 23 days away, is that we want to share something like that. Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, possession is not just uh, dealing with demons and the same for you if that's what you're thinking. It's about 
spiritual healing. And the thing is, also, Asa Roth, yes, was a spiritualist. And like John said, this house is alive. This house is alive and there's positive energy. And all of a sudden we bring in all that positive energy. You'll get in what you put in. And you'll get out what is going to, you're going to be able to probably catch on some of the evidence. And so I want to thank John for coming on tonight. Thank I really you. do appreciate it. Ghostly Podcast, Pat and Rebecca for coming on tonight. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Oh, man, I, this was a great show tonight. I, I was looking so forward to this all day long. I was swimming around my pool going, man, I hope I didn't mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, John, thanks for coming on. Pat and Rebecca, thanks for coming on. And ladies and gentlemen, like always. Boom. All right. Well, that's the interview. Amazing. I hope you guys liked it as much as we did. We had so much fun uh, doing that, and we learned so much about the Roth House. And it really made me just like, I am so excited for that. Yeah, I know this wasn't a traditional ghostly episode, but we both felt that the interview was so amazing that we just we couldn't add to it in any meaningful way. But we will be back after the investigation yeah. to debate this, to to recap it. Probably as a bonus episode. Yeah. Because we don't want to interfere with our regular scheduled episodes. Absolutely. But uh definitely be on the lookout for that. Yes. Um you know, towards the end of September. Um and again join us. Yeah. That would be so much fun. Go- it's uh I think the uh overnight is sold out. Yes. But they do these ten dollar ones where I mean you still get to do the investigation. It's just during the day. And you also uh, get to see some paranormal vendors. So if you're into this kind of stuff, which you obviously are, uh, you're going to want to see that. And you get to hang out with Ghostly and talk to us and tell us all your creepy stories. Absolutely. So In just, person. Absolutely. We'll definitely have links to things um, on uh, all of Ghost, Ghostly's social media. So, so check that out. But you can also go to gravesideparanormal.com. Absolutely. Uh, so I want to thank you so much for listening. Please share us with your friends and family as word of mouth is our best advertisement. If you could just go out and tell one person about Ghostly, one person that you think would be interested in something like this, and maybe help them figure out podcasting on their phone and get them set up. I think we we would gain a listener from that. Yeah, we would really appreciate that. This is the spooky season coming up. Yes. We've got two months coming up full chock full of episodes and we want to grow we want to we want to be the biggest paranormal podcast that you'll ever listen to yeah so i mean please tell somebody about it and remember to hit that subscribe button yourself or follow or whatever it's called on your platform uh and if you are over in the youtube world you can smash that like button smash it and leave a comment because that helps us in the algorithm as well. Mm-hmm. Anything, you know, could be whatever you want to say that puts us up there and people find us more. Um, but just make sure that you do something if you haven't already subscribed because we got big stuff coming up for you. And speaking of big stuff, uh, we will be talking about Bluff City Cemetery. We're going to play our Elgin Fringe Fest uh, episode for you that we will record in front of a live audience at the Blue Box during Elgin Fringe Fest. And I really, I that's just going to be awesome. To see people again mm-hmm. as yeah. ghostly. Right? Can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait either. And that episode comes out when, Rebecca? Uh, that is going to come out September, September 15th, right? 15th, I believe. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, again, 
so many episodes. <laughs> So be sure you're subscribed <laughs> because we have so much coming out the next couple months. We are going to get you ready for and the no- spooky season. November is going to be crazy as well. Oh, my gosh. We're going to be closing out the year with a bang. And we do have an announcement to make in October about December's episodes. Uh, so you definitely want to hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss out on that. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time, Rebecca, stay ghostly. Bye.